Welcome to Enjoy the Journey. I am your host. My name's Ray Spellbrink, and I'm glad you have opted to join me on the podcast today. Today, we're going to talk about something. You know, we're, we're entering into football season now, college, both college and professional. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, just, just touch on that as we get into the introduction of what I want to share today. But uh, I want to read some scripture, and, and, and I've kind of shortened it down a little bit because there were um, 47 scriptures that I was going to read, but I wanted to shorten it down and keep it relevant to the particular topic at hand. So we're going to be reading from the book of John chapter 4, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 30 and then 39 through 42. And again, I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible as is normally my custom, unless otherwise mentioned. The Bible says uh, the following words. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying it to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I uh, will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Just when his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. Now we'll drop down to verse 39. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. Now, like I said early at the onset, we are in football season now. I think of, of college football, and uh, there are some big uh, college football teams. And the University of Notre Dame has a, a mosaic on the side of its library that faces the football stadium, or at least it used to, and I'm assuming it still does. And, and it's a picture of Jesus with his arms raised, and it's facetiously called the Touchdown Jesus. <laughs> now, of course, there's no such Jesus in the Bible. How, however, there is a story that tells us of the breakthrough Jesus. And we just read about the breakthrough Jesus from the scripture that we read. And so we want to take a few moments to break down uh, some areas in which Jesus broke through in this woman's lives and in the lives of the people there uh, in Samaria. First of all, he breaks through. And by the way, he still does this today. He breaks through racial barriers, according to verse 9. Now, it's been said that uh, 11 o'clock in the United States is the most racially divided hour ever of the day, of every Sunday. 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most racially divided time in the country. Now, in this particular case, trace the history of the Samaritans. First, of course, they went, it won't take you long to find out that they were considered half-breed. Uh, they were half-breed Jews. And, and they arose after the fall of the northern uh, kingdom to Assyria. And trace the intensity of the Samaritans. There, there was such a great animosity and hatred, really, between the Jews and the Samaritans because uh, the Samaritans were considered half-breeds and outcasts. They actually had nothing to do with each other. Now, note Jesus' reaction. He was in Samaria on purpose. He was there for a reason. He didn't try to bypass Samaria on his way elsewhere. He was there. He stopped there on purpose. And he was open to the Samaritans. Think about it. The leper well, that he that he cleansed was a Samaritan. Then there's the good Samaritan who helped the Jew that had been beaten up while the priests themselves and the other religious leader crossed the street to avoid the, the man who was the bloody man who had been beaten up. It was a Samaritan, one of these half-breeds 
who uh, the Jews had contempt for, who stopped to, and showed compassion to this man. You see, there are no racial barriers in Jesus. Secondly, he, he breaks through gender barriers. Trace the treatment of women in Jesus' day. Now, the whole philosophy back then was it was better to burn the law than to teach it to a woman. That, that's pretty sad, and certainly sad in our day uh, for us to think about that, that people actually thought that way, and some probably still do think that way in some parts of the world. The custom was that a man should not speak to a woman in public, not even his own wife. Note the attitude of Jesus toward women. He has no problem speaking to a woman in our text. Many women were part of the story of his life and his ministry here on earth, if you go uh, searching that. And Jesus breaks through these gender barriers. And there may be some uh, differences of, of some functions, but there is no difference or standing of importance between women and men in, in the Christian world, or there shouldn't be, although some do uh, put some division there. Now, thirdly, Jesus breaks through moral barriers. You'll find that in verses 16 through 18. This Samaritan woman had lived a life that obviously was not pleasing to God. And yet his knowledge of her shows that the contact is deliberate. He intentionally stopped. He intentionally talked to her. He obviously disapproves of her lifestyle, yet he loved her. He loved her. He didn't approve of the sin, but he loved her. Her situation uh, makes her more important to reach. There's no place in Jesus for a moral barrier. It should not hinder compassion, and it must not hinder our ministry to them. And then number four, he breaks through the barrier of, are you ready? Of tradition. Tradition. We have churches so steeped in tradition today that there is no room for anything any uh, or for a movement of God by any means. Trace the issue of ceremonial cleansing. The Jews were easily ceremonially defiled. They were very conscious of being cleansed. Jesus is suggesting a breakthrough. Evidently, the Samaritan woman realizes he's willing to use the same vessel she used. That's unheard of back in that day. Jesus was never much concerned about the ceremonial traditions, and uh, he never was, and he probably never will be. He came and destroyed tradition, and he told the people they were making the uh, God's word ineffective through or because of their traditions. And we tend to be ingrained with tradition. Tradition is a great roadblock to spiritual growth and reality. So, so give up the tradition and, and allow God to, to move and to grow you in, uh, in your spiritual journey. Number five, Jesus breaks through the barrier of religion. Yes, he breaks through the barrier of religion. It's been said that religion does more to send people to hell than just about anything else. And how true that is, because Satan gets wrapped up and wound up and he ties up religion and he twists religion. 
By the way, you'll find this in uh, verses 20 and 21. The Samaritan woman here uh, raised the question of the place of worship. Uh, this was obviously a diversionary tactic. You know, she changed the subject on Jesus there. It was, however, a raging subject of debate between Jews and Samaritans. <clears throat> Jesus dismisses the question and the issue. The place of worship is about to become irrelevant. Since Calvary, our spirit replaces the temple. You see, we have become the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus breaks through on religion. Worship must be in spirit and in truth. He's looking for true worshipers. The outward response in worship is meaningful only as an expression of inward realities. And number six, he breaks through personal resistance. And there's just uh, several verses talking about this. And uh, there, there's an interesting progression here that we see with, uh, with the Samaritan woman. First, she begins in a polite restraint. Then she moves to a curious inquiry. Then she goes on to a deliberate attempt at diversion. She finally ends up with a convicted belief. Jesus breaks through her personal resistance. He moves beyond the surface issues in her life. He gets down to the important issues, sin and salvation. Jesus wants to break through in our lives as well. It's not his plan for us to live in defeat. He wants an opportunity to break through for us. He wants an opportunity to break through for you. Number seven, he breaks through ordinary living. Jesus offers living water. This is in contrast with that which is standing and stagnant. Flowing water was important to the Jews. The water that Jesus offers is cleansing, satisfying, and renewing. He wants to break through in our lives with this living water he's promised us. This living water brings with it fellowship, understanding, answered prayer, and enables us to walk in victory. He longs for an opportunity to break through in our lives. So I ask you today, are you missing something in your life? Maybe it's time to allow Jesus to break through and bring the new dimension he desires for you to have. Let him break through today. Let him break through in every way. Let him break through in every facet of your life. Why live in misery? Why live in defeat? Why live in sorrow? You won't be sorry that you did. I promise you that. I pray this was challenging to you in some way as we talked about the breakthrough Jesus today. Well, God bless you and join me next Sunday for another edition, another episode of my podcast. And until then, I encourage you to enjoy the journey.